going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. A very happy Tuesday to you and yours. Hope all is going well. Hope the blood pressure is dropping a little bit. I know uh, a lot of politics and actually had a friend on Facebook post. Can we just finish this campaign off already? Like it's 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 less about who we're voting for and the soapboxes that everybody's getting on. And let's just get on with it. A few people have been a little bit tiring. Patrick brings up a great point. You just wait. You've got a federal election campaign still to come. You think this thing's ugly. Just wait until Andrew Scheer and Justin Trudeau are vying for your jo- for your uh, your votes. A little bit of news yesterday coming out of City Hall in terms of the tag bag program is going to make its uh, not I was going to call it return. It's not returning its debut here in Calgary. June twenty twenty is when they're hoping to have everything rolled out. Kate Tar- uh, Tajan with the uh, City of Calgary is going to join us after five o'clock to go through some of the nuts and bolts about what exactly, and it's Trajan, sorry, I, I misspoke there, I sp- misspelled it. I knew that was wrong. Uh, Kate's going to join us after 5 o'clock to dive into that one. We'll also get, uh, Brendan met, mentioned this during the 3.30 news, is the uh, hearing around Bill C-69 today here in Calgary. Tomasia De Silva is uh, covering the story for Global News. We'll be joined by her after 4 o'clock. We'll also talk about cannabis in our province, an emerging industry here and some new stats showing Alberta is actually going to be uh, second in the country when it comes to that economy. And so we'll be joined by Dr. Brad Mahan over at the Mount, at Mount Royal University to dive more into uh, a little bit about the, the business side of things and what we should be expecting here. And also, if you haven't checked them out, the Dueling Piano Kings. Uh, fantastic show. If you've ever seen them live, whether it be at McMahon or the Dome or wherever they are around town, they actually won an Entertainer of the Year award. I'll explain more on that after 5.30. But we're going to continue the leadership discussion. I know Premier Rachel Notley was on just a short time ago with uh, Rob. We're going to be joined in just a couple minutes here by Alberta Liberal leader David Kahn as we continue uh, just on this show. The hope is we had... Alberta Party leader Stephen Mandel on yesterday. The hope is to have Premier Notley on on Thursday and UCP leader Jason Kenney on Friday is sort of the the hope and and the dream when all is said and done. We're just kind of lining up a bunch of things now just to give you a bit of an idea as to what each of these leaders stands for. We've heard a lot about what they don't stand for, a.k.a. we're not the other guys. But I want to talk about what their plans are for jobs and the economy and education. And the big question that seemed to resonate with a lot of people after yesterday's show, and I want to ask it of all the leaders going forward, is what lengths are you willing to go to to reach compromise? What lengths are you willing to go to to mend some fences? This has been a divisive campaign, full stop. So we're going to ask David Kahn that in just a couple of minutes. All right, we're going to meet uh, meet up with Alberta Liberal leader David Kahn next here on Calgary Today. Hard to believe we are just one week away from casting our ballots. Although, that being said, the advanced polls are now open. 
So you can do that. Check it out, uh, elections.ab.ca, for more information on where you can vote, not only just in these advanced polls, but also coming up on Tuesday. And as we continue our wide-ranging coverage on TV, online, and of course here on 770 CHQR, one of the things that I wanted to uh, do over the course of this week is invite the four party leaders who were a part of that election debate, uh, what was it, Thursday last week? Man, oh man, time flies. Anyways, one of my goals is to bring all the leaders on to talk about their vision for this province. I think we've gotten too bogged down in the, ah, that side is evil. Ah, that side is evil. Should be talking about where we're actually going to go from here. My, my mission to civilize, obviously, is going to continue. But let's talk a little bit about how we fix some of our ills. On the flip side, do we have anything to be proud of and how do we build on that? Joining us now, Alberta Liberal Leader uh, uh, David Kahn. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, sir. Thanks for having me. What do you see as the number one issue, first and foremost, is your outdoor knocking? Well, I think it's jobs in the economy and getting the Trans Mountain Pipeline built, getting better price for uh, energy products and putting the tens of thousands of Albertans and especially Calgarians that have lost their jobs um, this last four years back to work. I mean, that's the number one issue. What do you think is the fix? The fix is to properly consult and accommodate First Nations uh, in a very real and meaningful way and comply with the Section 35 of the Constitution and, uh, and, and build the project responsibly with their participation. I'm a big proponent of the new, uh, of the new uh, company, that uh, Project Reconciliation, that's looking to buy the Trans Mountain Pipeline on behalf of First Nations and Indigenous governments. And, you know, the fix is not to uh, to spin fairy tales about using, having uh, uh, referendums on the Quebec secession reference or enacting uh, legislation to turn off energy exports to BC that will be found unconstitutional in about five seconds by a court. I know. I'm a, you know, a constitutional rights lawyer, obviously, I know, you know, for, for what I speak. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, is I know that was a big focal point for you during the debate itself. And wh- I was going to ask is, where do you see that referendum idea actually going long term? Because I looked at it and one of the things that I thought of was, does that open up a door down the line to maybe be almost a, a temperature checker to see how upset Albertans are that they may throw out maybe down the line, hey, could we separate? Well, it's it's ludicrous, it's frankly divisive, and it's dangerous rhetoric from Mr. Kenny and types like him. First of all, it won't do anything. We can't unilaterally amend the Constitution. Um, I, I think Mr. Kenny was, is old enough to remember Meech Lake and the Charlottetown Accord and the other times we've tried to open up the constitutional debate, and it went nowhere because then everyone brings their goodies to the table and no one can decide. Uh, so it's, it's, it's ludicrous that he's suggesting that we can have a, a referendum and somehow you know, fix things on our side. And it's just, it's stoking division and, and misinformation, and it's stoking, uh, it's stoking anger. Look, we know that Albertans are hurting. We know how many jobs are lost. We know the energy industry is hurting. But the solution isn't to, uh, it isn't uh, empty rhetoric and uh, fairy tales. And on the flip side, the status quo can't be thought of as being, hey, this is the fix either. No, absolutely not. And that's why I've uh, put, over, put uh, forward concrete uh, uh, solutions for our problems, including 
very detailed amendments to C-69 were demanding. A couple weeks ago, I demanded that the federal and provincial NDP governments uh, provide Albertans with a public update on the consultation and accommodation process on the Trans Mountain. It's why we've uh, uh, why we oppose the turn off the taps legislation because it will just hurt our energy industry. So uh, you know, I've got you know, I've uh, got to, I've worked in the oil patch, born and raised Calgarian. I've I've worked in the energy industry, so I know what's uh, what we've got to do to get our, our economy back on track. How do you get those vacant office buildings downtown bustling again? Well, getting a better price for energy products by diversifying our markets, getting more uh, pipelines built to different markets, that's uh, really important. I mean, no, I'm a big uh, proponent of, of restarting the Energy East project. We are currently importing uh, most of our uh, oil in, in eastern Canada from the U.S. and even places farther afield like Saudi Arabia, Nigeria, Venezuela, uh, uh, Norway, Britain. And we should be refining Alberta products because we've got the most ethical oil out there and we should be supplying eastern Canada with our products rather than tankers coming up the St. Lawrence with uh, uh, dirtier oil. I think you're singing to the choir here. And so the question becomes, how do you get certain pockets of this country? Because I do believe the vast majority of Canadians are actually behind what Alberta's trying to do. But how do you get those small circles to buy in or at the very least have less of an impact on decision makers? Well, it means uh, you need true leadership. You need leaders to be talking about the real issues, not attacking each other for political points. You know, I'm the leader of the Alberta Liberal Party not the federal liberal party I'm, we're an independent party have been since the 70s and i don't take orders from mr trudeau but i also don't attack him just to score cheap political points like kenny's been doing for years and and how frankly the premier has been doing it the, the last year that's not going to get a pipeline built that's not going to get the federal government to the table and similarly with communities it's not going to get a pipeline built attacking bc attacking indigenous communities attacking environmentalists attacking people that live in the lower mainland none of that all of that is divisive and none of that is constructive and we've got to work together as a country to move this country forward you mentioned something that may piqued my interest a little bit and that might be on this whole notion of the alberta liberals versus the federal liberals and i think a lot of people still have that notion out there and you can correct me if i'm wrong you're the one that's been outdoor knocking is there still that notion out there that people are thinking hey you're taking your uh, your orders from the pm well, most people understand the Alberta Liberal Party is separate and that uh, premiers, there's been Liberal premiers across the country and they're independent. They're, the Liberal parties in each province are independent. And, uh, you know, so I'm the leader of the Alberta Liberal Party. I don't take orders from anyone and I'm standing up for Alberta. And I think most Albertans get that. One of the things that I pointed out early on and earlier on in this campaign was a, a promise that you made surrounding income tax versus an HST. And I'm curious, now that we've got you on the program, what, what spawned that idea on to maybe give a few more dollars back into the hands of Albertans so that they can decide how they'd like to spend their money and spend the subsequent taxes that go along with it? Yeah, so... Leaders for decades have not faced the fact that we have to get off the revenue roller coaster, and no one's had the courage to address this issue except me. We want to put more dollars back in Albertans' pockets while also having a stable revenue source to support our, our public services like health and education. And every economist out there uh, supports our plan and uh, to uh, eliminate most income taxes and bring in a sales tax. Most people know that that's what we've got to do. Every other developed uh, economy has done it. 
I was going to say, how important is it to make sure that it's not just viewed, though, as being a tax grab? Because the number one comment when we talked about this with uh, one of the one of the economists from the School of Public Policy was uh, one of the big comments was the fact that oh, this is just going to be another tax grab and they're not going to actually peel back my my income tax and I'm not going to be able to see even more of my money at the end of the day. Our plan is to replace income tax with a sales tax. So we're, it's not a tax grab. It's, in fact, going to put $800 a year in, on, for an average family back in their pockets over the year. And as you mentioned, it also allows people, it, it's better for the economy. It, it taxes consumption instead of hard work, earning, savings. It allows people to decide what to do with their money before taxes. And, uh, and, it, and it allows the economy to grow. And that's why Trevor Toome uh, to- said that we've got the only pro-growth fiscal plan of any party in this election. Alberta Liberal Party leader David Kahn joining us on the program to talk about uh, some of the issues that he's hearing on the doorsteps as he goes door knocking uh, one week before the provincial election. And Mr. Kahn, I did want to ask about another one of the things that you said you heard on the on the beat was education and fixing some of the ills there. What is your party thinking on that front? Well, education is the number one priority for me. It's the future of our economy and our society. And uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm focused uh, very heavily on what we can do to fix our education system. The biggest thing is classroom sizes. Kids can't learn in classrooms that are 40 or 45 big. So we're the only party advocating for mandatory class size caps, hiring 2,000 teachers to bring those class sizes down and fund the enrollment growth our cities are, are still growing. Young people are still having more children. So we've got to treat our children much better and give them a better start in life. And also funding true inclusive education. You know, we know that people with autism or learning disabilities or uh, special needs need to be in the classroom with their peers. But we need to support them and teachers and make sure that, that they can be integrated in a, in a fair and truly inclusive fashion. So that's another thing I'm, I'm really uh, uh, proud about. We've got the best education policies of uh, any party in this election, including the NDP. How do you validate spending more money on education when there is going to be that pushback saying there's already too much bloat, there's already too much fat in the system, and just giving school boards even more cash is going to give them more of an opportunity to misspend or misuse it? Right, that's a great concern, and we're going to institute value value for money audits across the entire government, education and healthcare being the biggest expenditures. We're going to find that bloat and that extra bureaucracy and that duplication and eliminate it. So we are going to look for uh, savings in, in that way, and we're going to track the money and make school boards more accountable. So, you know, for example, class size money has been being doled out by uh, these uh, past NDP and PC governments for decades. It hasn't been tracked. It just goes into school budgets and disappears with no accountability. Similarly, inclusive education funding for coded students disappears into school budgets. It doesn't tra- travel with the, with the student. And so there's no accountability for this money. We will have much more accountability on where money is spent and how it's being spent and much more reporting to the public. Transparency is key, and this NDP government's got a, a, a D or an F on freedom of information and transparency. Question that I'm asking all of the leaders through the course of this week is this has been a, a truly divisive campaign, and I wonder, post-April 16th, what would you like to see happen from all parties to make sure that we're all uh, realizing that we're actually all in this together as Albertans? And how do you mend some of the fences that have clearly been shattered over the last few weeks and, and arguably the last few months? 
Yeah, well, I want to elect as many Alberta Liberal MLAs as I can. I want to have, I'd, I'd love to have the balance of power in a minority government so that I can bring the, the uh, be the adult at the in, at the table and bring uh, real bold policies forward and and move our province forward. So I'd like to work with with the other uh, parties to actually institute uh, solutions that are really. Uh, uh, address the the deep problems that we're facing in, in Alberta. So I want to be at the table and work cooperatively with uh, the other parties and leaders. And I think uh, we've got some great ideas about how to do that. David, I do appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. Alberta Liberal leader David Kahn joining us on the program. We had Stephen Mandel yesterday looking to have uh, Jason Kenney and Rachel Notley on by the end of the week to get to uh, talk about some of the issues and the visions more than anything else. And I had to laugh at the one call. It only took him a minute to attack one of the other parties. I think he went after the UCP right off the bat. Yeah, and that's the tone that it's taken in this election. It's more about what you you are not versus what you actually stand for. And so I did... by the end of it, we were actually getting into some of the topics, although, as mentioned midway through that, here's the one challenge that I think David Kahn faces is there is still that branding issue. I'm still amazed that we hold on to this Alberta Liberal Party. Everyone understands that it's different from the federal liberals, but it just hasn't clicked yet for some. Let's step outside the political realm for a little while here and focus a little bit on a new report out of a U.S.-based research there by firms BDS Analytics and ArcView Market Research showing Albertans spent about $216 million on medical and retail cannabis last year. It's expected in their new forecast that Alberta pot smokers could spend upwards of $940 million on legal weed. By 2024, Alberta has the fourth highest population, pun kind of intended, in Canada. But its spending on cannabis is expected to lead all provinces except Ontario. To talk more about the industry as a whole, Dr. Brad Mahan's interim dean, faculty of continuing education and extension, and the director of the conservatory at the University of uh, Mount Royal University. Pardon me. Dr. Mahan, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Hey, thanks for having me. When you hear those numbers, I'm curious right off the bat, does any of it surprise you? It, it doesn't. I, I mean, it's one of the reasons why we began exploring um, the educational component of uh, the cannabis industry. Um, we saw on the horizon um, this massive sector about to come online. And, and to be fair, the numbers have even surprised me. You know, those sheer, the sheer volume. We knew they'd be big. I don't think many of us expected they'd be this big, but we saw it coming. And 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 um, you know, as I said, it's an entire sector coming online at once. I, you know, I often parallel it to the end of prohibition in 1933. Um, you know, it's 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 just the start. And uh, we thought, you know, this is this industry needs a workforce. And we want to be a part of that. Um, it's no surprise, I think, in the last six months or so, I, I thought there would be a part of the population that would be kind of testing the waters a little bit. But I think the vast majority of people were kind of, okay, well, now it's now it's time to move on, especially from a business standpoint. And where do you see this industry uh, developing most? Is it going to be in the actual growth of it? Is it going to be in the marketing of it? Where do you see that uh, really coming to fruition here? Sure. Well, I, um, I can. I'll share with you our experience. We, first of all, the, the students that we've had 
um, partaking in the program have, have really been a mixed bag early on. I think, to your point, you know, people testing the waters, a lot of tire kickers, people who are curious, recreational users. That said, we did have some people who, who you know, entered the program you know, completely with the idea that they were going to, you know, enter this, um, enter this industry professionally. Um, you know, now, now we're at a point where it's, you know, at least with our own educational offerings, um, you know, more and more we find people are interested in the plant production side. We have three courses. One works with plant production and facility management. We have a course in marketing that covers the marketing regulations around cannabis. And, and we have a third course on financing a cannabis um, operation in Canada, a lot of regulations. But it's that, back, it, it's that plant production. People want to know how to grow a great marijuana plant. You know, I mean, anybody can grow a marijuana plant, but to to grow a really good one is a science. And that's where the interest is. And to that point, we're launching a fourth course this fall that will really focus on that element alone. We'll dive deeper, if you will. It's one of those things that I I look at it from, and you made the comparison with uh, the alcohol and prohibition, is it's sort of the same wavelength here. Here in Alberta, we've got great growing conditions for barley and canola and all these different crops that have... uh, that kind of became sort of the epicenter for some of the alcohols that we have now. Do you see that coming the same way for marijuana? Is that, hey, we've got some great growing conditions here. Why not see if we can make the best marijuana and cannabis possible? Well, I think I think you're exactly right, and you're seeing that, and it takes a few pioneers to to kind of put that idea out there and, and, and try it. There's a, you know, a very large facility being, um, you know, down by Medicine Hat there. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, people are finding, you know, innovative ways to enter this. And, and, and again, to your point, you know, Alberta has a large agriculture industry. And, and, and fundamentally, you know, going back to what we're talking about, you know, growing a, uh, growing a plant, I mean, this is an agriculture business. Um, and so it's in many ways a natural fit. I'm curious from the standpoint as well as I'll call it patience, but in terms of sort of watching this develop is uh, how much is that placed on the, the potential business owners down the line or those that you're, you have in your school to tell them, Hey, don't expect this to be a cash cow right off the bat. But if you develop your, your brand and make a product that people keep coming back to, that's where you're really going to see the dividends at the end of the day versus that instant fix. Well, exactly. And, and I think, you know, the big, the big, um, you know, news last fall was um, we saw the rise of, of these, you know, co- commercial, you know, I mean, medicinal marijuana had been around, but all of a sudden have these retail outlets. And, and I know that there's been some, there's been some hiccups there, um, as, as there would be with any new sector. Um, and, you know, we're, we're finding, you know, too, with, with us, uh, um, even as the educational provider in this in this uh, story, you know, we partnered with Kwantlen in British Columbia because they had been doing it for three years, and we thought, you know, let's let's partner with somebody that's that's been doing this a little while and help us kind of through these growing pains, um, if you will. So I, I think you know there's going to be a few little bumps along the way, but I think when you stand back and look at it, we're making a lot of progress. And um, you know, to, again, back to the numbers you mentioned right at the start of our conversation, um, you know, we're on our way to something uh, you know pretty spectacular here. If you put out your crystal ball and went, okay, here's what the industry is going to look like in five years or 10 years or 20 years, where do you see it going here in Alberta? Well, I think, you know, you know, to, to the, the topic that you mentioned about, you know, the, the agriculture industry that we have here, I mean, it, it's still a specialized plant and, and, you know, 
still a fair amount of infrastructure in terms of greenhouses and, and those types of things. I think you'll find more and more educational providers getting involved as well, too. I mean, uh, you know, we were, we we're one of the first ones to stick our, our, uh, our flag in the ground and, and we're still developing course content too, you know, but, um, I think you'll find more and more, um, educational offerings and more and more uh, retail and commercial outlets. Uh, popping up all over the place, and as as you said, I mean Alberta is is going to be there. No, we've had our had our recession, and and our economy is coming back. It's coming back a little different though, mm-hmm. and um, this is one of those those new elements that's that's coming in and and uh, helping us get get people back on their feet. From a personal and professional standpoint, did you ever imagine in a million years that this would be the topic of conversation that you'd be having uh, at this point in 2019? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's. Um, it is. It is a little. No, um, but uh, but here but here we are, and uh, you know it's to the, because I'll tell you, you know, coming out of the gates, uh, you know, with our educational offering at the university, you know, I've I've dealt with all the, the puns, you know, growing a new program mm-hmm. and rolling with rolling with a new industry <laughs> and all these kinds of things, and uh, you know, so it's all it's all tongue in cheek and all part of it, but uh, as I said, you know, prohibition 1933, uh, you know, that's a, a pretty big landmark, and and here we are at another big milestone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Mahan, I do appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks so much for having a little bit of fun here. My pleasure. Anytime. Dr. Brad Mahan is uh, interim dean of the Faculty of Continuing Education and Extension at Mount Royal University. Again, it's hard to deny the numbers when you, again, this was BDS Analytics and ArcView Market Research saying uh, by 2024, Albertans will spend upwards of $940 million on legal weed. Money doesn't lie. The dollar figures don't lie. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the next five years. It's been a big topic of discussion in the news. It's also been talked about on the respective shows over the course of the day. But the federal bill to change the way Ottawa assesses major energy projects getting a rough ride here in our city today. Representatives of Canada's biggest oil and gas companies took turns demanding major changes to Bill C-69 before a Senate committee making a stop here in our city on a cross-Canada series of hearings, which actually started in Vancouver on Monday. Outside that hearing... Another story developing. So from to get a little bit of a sense of what's going on on both inside and outside, we welcome Global News reporter Tomasia De Silva to the program. Thanks so much for the time today. You're welcome. Let's start off with the story outside today's hearing. And what were people saying? Were there a lot of chanting? Give us a, si- a sense of the crowd and the size and, and sort of the, the tone going into today's uh, big hearing. Uh, I've been to a lot of these rallies, Joe, and it's they seem to get bigger and bigger every time they're held. Uh, today, you, you, you looked outside the, the hotel and it was a huge throng of people out there chanting, let us work, let us work, kill that bill, kill that bill. And of course, the the common build that pipe, the rallying always for the building of the pipelines here in Canada. Uh, frustration clearly mounting, hundreds taking to the streets. It, it was quite the scene out there today. I believe that. And I know even political leaders jumping in as well. I know I saw pictures of Jason Kenney there and a, a number of others inside, though, a different story, but at the same time, the same. A lot of people uh, saying we need to get these pipelines built and these bills are not helping. 
and things. Uh, give us a little bit of a sense of, of what was being said inside that hearing. So there was a Senate Energy Committee meeting, uh, not as loud, but of course the people still is adamant that changes need to be made to Bill C-69. A number of huge big players from uh, Canada's oil and gas companies, Synovus, Imperial, CNRL, all telling the Senate Committee the bill as it stands now cannot go ahead or projects won't go ahead, telling the members of the the Senators that uh, some projects are already being cancelled, that capital is being diverted outside of of Canada and that things are pretty dire out there. They're just saying that these amendments need to be made. This Bill C-69 cannot go ahead as planned or else it, it could spell the end for the uh, oil and gas industry. And one of the things that I, I know we've talked about uh, a lot, on not, on the, not only on this program, but also uh, in our news stories and that as well, is the notion that, hey, this isn't just about a pipeline. It's about the general consensus on where our industry stands in the eyes of decision makers. And that's seemed to be a little bit of the tone coming from the uh, from industry as well today. It, it certainly was. A lot of people think it's, you know, people are just battling to, to build the Trans Mountain or the Keystone, and it's not. They're saying that other players in the world globally are looking at Canada and saying, I'm not going to invest there. It's not worth it for me to invest there because we don't know if projects are going to be built. And it's that uncertainty that's, that's actually keeping a lot of investors away, and they're saying that that is going to hurt not only Canada's energy industry, but the country as a whole, because... You know, with no investment coming in, no projects being built, they're saying that this is not good for anyone. Mm-hmm. Tomasia, do appreciate the time. Thank you so much for filling us in on, on the story, both inside and outside that hearing today. You're very welcome. Just for a little bit more context here, any amendments need to be done by the time uh, that bill is set to be brought back to the Senate by May 9th. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. It it didn't see much in the way of pushback as City Council voting in favor of bringing in a -a tag-a-bag program, much the same as what we've seen in a few other communities in and around the city. Now, this is all in a way to curb our waste and put some of the things that should be in the blue carts or the green carts somewhere else. Joining us now to kind of give us a little bit more on what to expect with the program is Kate Trajan. She is the lead strategic planning and policy with waste and recycling at the city of Calgary. Kate, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. It is a real pleasure to be here to talk with you. Let's get the 411 here on the Tag a Bag program. And it's something that is relatively new here in Calgary that has uh, uh, officially been given the green light. Walk us through, I guess, the logistics first and foremost. When can residents actually start to see this all come to their doorstep? So we were given council approval yesterday, as you noted, to introduce Tag a Bag. And the timeline for this is by June of next year. So we are going to be working out the details of exactly when this will roll out to residents, and we will be notifying them in advance of the program starting. What made Tagabag such a desirable option when looking at that possibility of trying to uh, reduce the waste that we're seeing going through the landfill? Yeah, so we introduced a diversion target back in 2007, and part of the plan has always been that once we had good recycling and good food and yard waste programs in place, 
the next step would be putting a financial incentive on doing the right thing with your garbage. And this is a best practice across large cities that putting a price tag on any garbage outside of carts or incentivizing people to put out less garbage helps people just be that much more thoughtful about what really needs to go in the garbage. So it's become a very common program across both small and large communities. And in fact, some of our neighboring communities have tag-a-bag programs already in place like Airdrie and Cochrane. So people might be familiar with it even from nearby. I, I see the program myself being an Airdrie resident, and I know it's it's been a pretty easy transition, I found, and uh, especially on those days where, hey, I know I'm going to have a little bit of extra waste because, hey, I'm doing a little bit of renovations or whatever the case may be. So it seems to be really easy right. on, on that standpoint. When it comes to the cost, I know you've it's looking like $3 is going to be that extra fee. Is there going to be any kind of reimbursement on the Black Cart program? There absolutely will be, yes. So what we are doing is transferring the costs associated with picking up that extra garbage outside the, cost, the carts to the tag-a-bag program. So that $3 will cover off the costs of collecting the garbage, and that means we'll be reducing the monthly black cart charge to households. Now, the reduction is going to be $0.10 cents per month, um, and that will cover the, the costs. Right now, what we're seeing is very few households put out extra garbage. Only about one in 20 households puts out an extra bag of garbage on collection day. So right now, a lot of households are paying for a very small number of households to put out extra garbage. And what this will do is transfer those costs to the Tag-A-Bag program. So anyone who puts out a bag will pay that extra amount for it. Any estimates on how much less waste will be in the the landfill, say, a couple of years after uh, we implement this program? We are hoping that a pay-as-you-throw program will get as much as about 5% waste reduction across waste from the single-family sector. And in terms of tonnage, I wish I could tell you exactly what that translates out to, but I, I don't have the number in front of me. Um, But what we're seeing is that even very small financial incentives in other communities have led to some really significant behavior changes. That once people know they're paying a bit more when they put out more waste, people really start to, again, just be a bit more thoughtful about what needs to go in the garbage, and it can translate to a big difference. When you look at the rollout, what needs to happen between now and June next year? So between now and when the program rolls out, we'll be confirming what our distribution of the bag tags will be. So what stores you'll be able to go out to locally to buy a tag. We'll be confirming um, the details of, of how to communicate the program. And again, the timing that people can anticipate the program coming into place. Fantastic stuff, Kate. I do appreciate the time this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate taking the time with me. Thank you. As we've uh, gone through this program, I know that in the past we talked to the people in Airdrie and me being an Aird, is it Airdrinian, Airdrieite? I, anyways, I'm actually very pro this whole plan because realistically it's not that big of a deal. It's impacted us zero. I think I've only had to pay for a tag two or three times, I think, and all three of them had to do with the fact that I was doing renovations around the house and had some extra, uh, especially painting tape and stuff that just... I 
overfilled bags. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Now, that being said, I'm kind of not looking forward to the whole notion that one day we're going to have a kid or kids and eventually they're going to have diapers. And I have a feeling they're going to take up a whole, I'm going to be needing more and more of those tags. We'll see how this thing develops again June 2020 here in the city of Calgary for the new tag a bag program. At least that's a deadline. And some big news coming out of Calgary's Dueling Piano Kings recently. Uh, if you haven't checked them out, certainly you, I think you have to just in, out of principle. I mean, how often are you going to be able to uh, make requests and they will play them on the fly with two pianos and and they're singing against each other and they've got the drum beat and everything's going on. It's that kind of interaction with their fans that get, garnered them entertainers of the year at the Canadian Event Industry Awards. Pat McGannon joining us now on the program. Hey, thanks so much for the time today. No, thanks so much for having me, Joe. Walk us through you being named as the winner of this award and what went through your mind. Well, Firstly, we were we were really surprised to win it because we were nominated with seven other entertainers across the country, and we were the only ones west of Winnipeg to receive a nomination this year. And I, I thought our chances were extremely slim, just because of the quality of entertainers and people that are out there across the country. I I really I really didn't give it too much of a of a chance from our point of view. So when you got up on stage and accept the award, did you have to, you know, kind of bab- babble your way through the acceptance speech, or did you yeah, even have to do one I, of those? Yes, yes, I did, because the other thing is that our award was the second last one in the evening, and with free-flowing wine on the table, um, <laughs> <laughs> by the time our award came up, it was three hours in, and I'm like, oh. Uh, <laughs> Should have thought ever, this through. Yeah, and, and am I ever glad I wrote a few things down on a piece of paper? I, I did it old school, so I was very, I was glad that I, I did that but we, we were very surprised and we had a very big contingent from calgary uh, out there who were also nominated in other categories that were super supportive of, of us winning and uh, it was it was it was a real thrill that's for sure what does it mean to you to be not only nominated but also to an to win an award like that well it's it it's it's really uh we're, we're really grateful and and uh really honored i mean our our genre of entertainment and what we do is is done by very few people. Um, there's very few piano players who can um, play and sing anything that's put on them on a on a little you know two by two piece of paper, and you really don't know what what's coming up. And uh, um, it was uh, it, it was it was a real honor because this is my 19th year as a dueling piano player now, and and I've been playing the piano for. I hate to say it, but it'll be 50 years Holy. in September that I had my first piano lesson in Mississauga, Ontario. <laughs> so, that is unreal. So yeah, I, I, the, the piano, the piano, that instrument has just been a huge part of of my life, and it's a it's a part of me, and and uh, it's been a refuge. It's been a, an expression of emotion. It's it's been absolutely everything to me, and just to to be able to do this in in front of so many people that we get to do it for. I mean, especially, you know. I mean the Calgary Stampeders and the and the Flames and the Roughnecks. I mean, what, it's just been a, a, a tremendous honor for us. That's got to be something else. Is is it's one thing to be playing the the bar scene and that kind of thing, but to be able to go in and play some of these venues, whether it's McMahon or the Dome or during Stampede. I mean, there there's so many different venues that you guys have been able to ply your trade in here in Calgary and beyond. 
Well, it really is true, and, and it's it's a real testament to to our to our clients and to the people we work with in these buildings and in these venues that they like it just isn't lost on us for a second the amount of of trust and faith that they they put in, in what we do. I mean, they're they're giving us their biggest their most prized possession, which is their fans. And when you when you give an entertainer your fans to work with i i think that's a huge responsibility and and we we just don't we've never taken it lightly and and uh we we're just we want to do everything we can to engage those fans as much as we can and and for them to have a say in the outcome of what the entertainment's going to be because they they send us their requests on twitter Mm -hmm. during these period breaks and we're we're putting these set lists together of what we're going to play literally five minutes before we're going to play it so what do you do to top an award like that or even the year that you've had in the last, you know, 2018, early part of 2019? How do you top it all? I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> we're just, I, I guess we're, you know, we're, we're just going to keep pushing ahead and, and keep playing our shows and um, keep trying to, you know, find these opportunities to get in front of as many people as we, we, we possibly can. And, and it doesn't have to be a big crowd. Like we're, like we we have we have a great time playing in you know in in front of sixty people in somebody's living room. I mean we just we just want to keep doing what 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 we're doing and just having a lot of fun with it. Just got to add a little bit of pyro to the show, right? That is yeah, that maybe that's that what you got to do. <laughs> I, I would I, I would settle for for a couple of roadies to help move our equipment. Oh, uh, that'd be fantastic. That, that would be like better than a tour bus. <laughs> Uh, love it again, Pat. Congratulations on the award and all the best in in what you guys do because uh, it is a fun time. If you've never checked them out before, you got to do it. Thanks again for the time today. Thanks so much, Joe. Pat McGannon of Calgary's Dueling Piano Kings again crowned Entertainers of the Year at the Canadian Event Industry Awards. If you want to check them out, Friday. This coming Friday at the Rec Room, you can go and check them out online as well. I'm sure they've got a few dates lined up. And uh, you know what? The first time I ever saw them was actually at a Stan Peters game. They played halftime once, and I thought that was kind of crazy that you it, it threw me off for a bit because of the echo. But man, oh man, nothing like having thirty five thousand of your closest friends singing along to all your favorites of yesterday. Or even today, they're doing some of the great pop hits too. So uh, check them out again at Dueling Piano Kings Friday at the Rec Room. Just want to take a moment to thank you for taking the time to download and listen to the Calgary Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll chat with you soon.